0: Hello, everybody. This is Two Guys, Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasperi.
1: This is Frank Pelican.
0: Tonight, you are listening to episode 124, which is going to be covering the top five horror movies of 1998. Uh, This is our next to last episode in our 90s horror series. Um, And the first of, what, four horror episodes that we'll be doing in a row um, as... uh, the month of october we always do horror related episodes and we will be covering top five horror anthologies the top five were creature movies and then we will be finishing off this list with the top five horror movies of 1999 um so all horror all the time here soon that might disappoint (laughs) some people uh but interest others um it doesn't disappoint me so (laughs)
1: um
0: So ninety eight's a kind of weird and interesting year. Um, some might say a poor year, um, considering the years we've had uh, in what ninety five and ninety six, ninety
1: seven, maybe. Is that yeah. there? Um, it's a so it's interesting. Like going back and watching these movies from this year, um, particularly the number two movie, which we'll talk about when we get there. But um. It's like, I think studios were just trying to still replicate the success of Scream in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the stuff that came after, like I Know What You Did Last Summer, but it still is just a lot of sequels and like direct-to-video crap for the most part, Um, or just movies that are still like embracing the strong B-movie aesthetic of like a horror movie doesn't have to be well written or well acted. It just has to have, you know, <clears throat> jump scares and gore. So, I think the five movies we have on this list, for the most part, they they represent a pretty broad range mm-hmm. of um themes and uh, like filmatic approaches or whatever cinematic approaches. Um, with two two of them being the exception that are just really solidly like Hollywood. Um, Big budget horror films, um, both of which were directed by, um, you know, prominent talents and have a pretty large cast of stars in them. So, Um, yeah, it's a it's a weak year. Uh, there's definitely movies on this list that would not have made the list if there was anything better (laughs) to replace them with. But, you know,
0: Um, and you even didn't you look to replace one of these movies potentially and like you couldn't find anything in this year?
1: Yeah, so one of the movies is no longer available to stream anywhere. And we had to go through, um, I would say some, some jump through some hoops to find a way to watch it. Yeah. Um, And I really thought about replacing it, but it's like, there's just nothing good to replace it with. And I think the closest is um, maybe *Apt pupil, but to me, that's less of a horror movie and more of a thriller. Mm. Um. And I'm not a big fan of app people anyway, so I don't know. Like I, I, think, was...
0: I I'm not a fan of the adaptation so much. I I love that novella. Um, oh sure, yeah. That's in that's different seasons, right?
1: I think that's right.
0: Yeah, because <clears throat> um, I remember I read different seasons for Shawshank um, when I was a teenager, and I think I liked. There's one story that's like kind of like math based or something, isn't it? Isn't it like more like sci-fi and is that am I misremembering that? I I think
1: I'm not gonna look it up. I'm gonna try and remember this. Okay. I think it's Isn't it it's Apt Pupil, it's the Langoliers, the Sun Dog. And then the one that's like the sequel to Ghost Story, I think.
0: Okay, so it's Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, apt pupil, uh, the body, and the body, and then one called the breathing method, which is, um, I don't remember that one. Yeah, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, I I, I don't even, I yeah I just read like the first like couple sentences of this and I, I don't remember it. Um,
1: maybe I'm thinking of four past midnight or no, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. I get. You're, there's one of them has the Langoliers, and that one about um, what's his name? The guy that's from uh,
0: four past midnight is Langoliers. Yeah, um, what else is uh, Secret Window, Secret Garden is in there. The Sun Dog is there, and uh, the Library Policeman is in that?
1: I think the Library Policeman is uh, um, Dark Tower connected. One of them, not mistaken.
0: I don't remember honestly. It's been so many years since I read these books. I read Four Past Midnight*. I remember in eleventh grade. I had read different seasons. I was in ninth grade when I read that one. I guess I must have just been going back and just like picking up old King stuff that I hadn't read yet, and was like going through it um, over the course of high school. But, but yeah, um, that pupil I think is my is my favorite story. Like out of out of different seasons. <clears throat> But um but yeah I'm not a, not a Pretty fan good. of the adaptation um so much.
1: And then there then there's a bunch of sequels. Like there's a Phantasm sequel, a Children of the Corn sequel, um the Second Prophecy movie is this year, uh Bride of Chucky is this year. Um maybe uh I still know what you did last summer, might be this year, I think. Um just a bunch of stuff that's obvious. Yeah, it is like sequels to Either long-running franchises or um, which phantasm was like Which phantasm was this maybe year? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not a phantasm. I gotta hold on. I gotta look. Blade is this year, which I like. Blade, but I also don't necessarily consider Blade so much a horror movie.
0: Now, Urban Legends is this year. Fallen is this year. That's a. Is that is that? A, should, yeah. That should,
1: yeah that. Fallen.
0: Yeah, that's 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 certainly a movie you're indifferent to. Um, <clears throat> make a note of that one. <clears throat> yeah, I still know that's really crazy that they pumped out. I still know what you
1: did last summer. Um, oh, sometimes they come back for more. I um, do you like sometimes they come back? No. Okay. I, I don't well, like so. any of those movies. *Strangeland* is here, which I think is an interesting movie because um. It starts out really strong and then it just gets really stupid. I guess there isn't a phantasm. This yeah, year.
0: there is. It's um, Phantasm 4 comes out this year. Hmm. <laughs> it is under the category on Google of 1998 horror friendship movies.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Um, also on there Disturbing Behavior, um, Devil in the Flesh, Gods and Monsters. Um, um, yeah. I, I don't even know horror friendship movies
2: <sighs> okay
0: yeah not a good year though like overall I'm looking at it but um in hindsight now has Phantasm 4 replace any of these movies
1: uh no I don't know
0: <laughs> Phantasm 4 is like my favorite I think Um, but, it, but it's less horror to me
1: right and i feel like we've talked about phantasm so much like
0: we have we have a whole fucking episode on phantasm and then we talk about two or three or whatever
1: i mean there's Um, legitimate reasons to talk about all five of these movies honestly so yeah
0: sure all right let's go ahead and get started um i haven't drank hardly anything yet so i might be able to get these korean names out so number five on your list is Whispering Corridors. Um, it is directed by Parky Young. And it stars Lee Myung, Park Young Soo, and Lee Wong Neo. Um, it has no rating on either uh, the critical score or the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Do you want to try and give a give a shot at pronouncing the Korean name for Whispering Corridors?
0: No, I no, uh Hold on, I I can. Uh, yo go go you deal <laughs> i just threw a bunch of
1: sounds together i, I think it's probably yo go go dem.
0: you yeah i didn't know if you'd pronounce that e or not and damn okay the a comes like an e sound okay
1: yeah i can see that i mean i don't know i don't speak korean it's just sure i just think it's funny because it's a crazy ass long title
0: right it sounds kind of funny too like, it does. It, it, it looks like it's co- I, like knowing nothing about the transliteration of that language. I would think it's like a comedy or something like that, or it's like a you know something like Pokemon or like <clears> throat> a throat> kids animated thing.
1: Right. It does sound like a, like I'm summoning a Pokemon. <laughs> you go, <Google> them. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I choose you. Anyway, so you ready? Yeah. What's going on with this movie? um so this is the first in a series of I think, and, it, six... and, it's,
0: and it's gonna be a surprise because i would zone out for like 10 minutes at a time i think sometimes so oh, in this <laughs> some, movie? Of, some of it might be a surprise to me
1: <laughs> yeah no i don't think so i mean because really not much happens um so this is the first in a series of connected in name only um korean horror films um that are all based around uh The school system in Korea basically and um, the relationships and lives of these girls that go there they're like all girls schools Uh, this one in particular um, there's a teacher who commits suicide um, under like mysterious circumstances and this group of girls who have these relationships with each other um, the teacher that kills herself is replaced by a teacher called mad dog Who's kind of a molester and um, serial abuser that is just really aggressively antagonistic towards the girls that he teaches, um, with the idea that the harder he is on them, the more likely they are to have success, I guess, in their lives. Um, and he achieves that by feeling them up and shouting at them a lot, and you know hitting them sometimes. Um. The basic premise is that there was this girl that used to go to school at this prestigious all-girls school who um, had had died, and her ghost is coming back, um, every so often, like to take revenge upon this place where she lost her life, Um, and that's why the teacher dies in the first place, is because she was originally a classmate of the girl. Um, it deals a lot with the idea of, um, sort of like a veiled homosexuality, um, between some of the women and the fact that they like have feelings for each other, but those feelings are repressed because of the society they live in and just the, um, what do you want to call it? The, like the strict nature of Korean school life, um, I think you and I talked about this off air. So this movie was made right at the end of kind of the totalitarian um stranglehold on the arts in Korea, where you it was basically I guess like what like a communist dictatorship almost that had been done away with and replaced by a more democratic
0: Yeah, I think it was um, like a military leadership if I remember my yeah, very limited knowledge of Yeah,
1: maybe maybe communist isn't the right word. Yeah, it might have just been a totalitarian dictatorship so there were a lot of things with especially school life um that this film and then subsequent films sought to expose um in a way that hadn't been done before but it still is influenced by um for lack of a better term like kind of like boring traditional korean filmmaking style which is kind of soap opery and um very made for tv-esque so this isn't a horror movie in the sense that like there's jump scares or honestly even anything scary really at all it's more the idea of this spirit that has been the spirit of this girl that was kind of like left behind and neglected and abused and um she had lost her life in what was it a fire when she was trying to she she was in love with one of the girls and the girl wouldn't return her love because it was taboo. And so she lost her life trying to save this thing that the one girl made for her. And then there's a parallel in the relationship between these two other girls where one is obviously in love with the other. And um, that causes her to commit suicide because the love is unrequited. And um, when at the end they've kind of like, convince the spirit of the original girl um g Gju or g or something like that to move on um you find out that the other girl that committed suicide her spirit is there now too and is the same like has that same whatever connection to the school so um really just thinly veiled criticism i think of the um the problems with the school system especially like i guess high school pre-college for these teenage girls and the way that they were the way that they're treated the way that they're viewed by society um, and done so in a way that is like veiled as a horror movie I suppose because maybe a little too soon to like really just come out with the skating like expose Um, so as a horror movie it's not like a great horror movie but I think it's a pretty interesting examination of a society that's really in a lot of ways completely foreign to us um and then over the years like these themes would be explored more by other korean directors um most notably uh chanwook park um in things like old boy and sympathy for mr vengeance would look at like the same similar similar themes and explore them like more in depth and in a more i don't know lively manner maybe and honestly even like future whispering corridor movies um have a much more traditional horror feel to them although none of them are like straight up horror movies in the sense that you would think um but it's fascinating because you know this year and next year we're going to talk about several japanese horror movies um all of which are much more like firmly rooted in horror than this one um but just like the different styles and the different approaches and um, I don't know, I think it's a pretty I think if you're interested in like the history of horror, I think it's an interesting place to look just to see like kind of this like Genesis point of Korean horror um, from this movie and like what their mindset was and what the approach was to, to filming these movies. And then to see how it changes over the course of the next decade and a half is honestly, like 2000s Korean horror is probably some of my favorite movies, horror movies of the mm-hmm. 2000s come out of that. Um, like I saw The Devil and Old Boy and, um, uh, Mother and some other, you know, other movies hey. that are from that period. So,
0: Hail Two Sisters, is that correct?
1: Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, and again, like the same, a similar theme in the examination of, um, mental illness and how it's dealt with in that society, but done mm-hmm. in a much more straightforward, um, you know horror approach actually one of the best horror movies of the 2000s period in general so while it's not the most exciting movie to watch and it's definitely not a movie that's really gonna like there's no at best this movie is eerie i think at times but for the most part they even like cut that short um i mean maybe the best like scene so there's a scene early on where the teacher has hung herself and the students are kind of like reacting to this teacher's body hanging from um an overpass i guess or whatever Mm. and to me the thing that's like the eeriest about that because they film it in such like a matter-of-fact way like it's not scary at all right but it's it's later there's they're in the room that's kind of adjacent to where that overpass is and they're looking out and it's just like covered with like dead leaves and it's obviously like in Mm -hmm. disrepair, and it's i think you can sort of see like just knowing like the history well not even knowing but like reading about the history of the diamond in in south korea like that that was kind of left to the wayside and i think that's a little more eerie just from kind of a human perspective than anything scary or whatever and i think there's a lot in this movie that's similar to that just like the disused nature of some of the rooms in the school and the fact that it's Mm -hmm. all cluttered and there's rooms that have just like um dust cloths like thrown over them um so yeah so, yeah, you gonna I, say something? yeah i i i um
0: I, I think probably like the problem with me was that like i saw a movie called whispering corridors i knew nothing about it like at all um and i expected it to be eerier maybe um just based off the title um and i think uh my probably like you know uh some sort of like racism like probably like led me to believe it was going to be much more like japanese horror movies or the type of horror movies that you were talking about that you've shown me from korea that are in the 2000s um that are much eerier i think and ultimately it's kind of like filmed um i mean it's not a great comparison because i like both of these movies to some degree but it reminded me of like this kind of like um lady in white peanut butter solution type kind of like kind of cartoony almost at times soap opery way that I think like detracted from some of it but I think you're right I think there's some good stuff here with the use of emptiness um very much like Lynch does well and Mika can do well like you know I mean I I think there there is some good stuff here and I mean it's it's a fine ghost story um but it feels like an after-school special where it's like it should have been like 55 minutes long or something like that as opposed to like an hour and 55 minutes or whatever it was like
1: well because again i think the point of the movie is to build your connection to the relationships between these you know these these young women and i think it does a fine job with that i mean sure, Sure. you definitely have a, a high level of empathy especially for the two principals who are kind of being driven apart by you know this dude this like a monster they're the mad dog guy that's their teacher is just like a fucking insufferable asshole mm-hmm. um and i think that's more the horror of it really is the treatment of these yeah these young women and the suppression of their whatever yeah like natural personalities and inclinations under the guise of like building model students but there's japanese movies that touch on similar themes um especially in like a school in school settings um that are definitely much scarier than this so yeah to your point like when you see this this is one of those movies that i knew about and i it's one of the ones that i got as a bootleg mm. um trade from some dude on like vhs right <clears throat> so when i saw it i saw a really like probably shitty transfer of it because watching it now was much clearer than I remember it being. Mm. Um so it's like a historical whatever, yeah. like no, I, I'm glad artifact. I watched it.
0: I don't think it's I'd... bad, and I'm glad I watched it. It's just the, yeah. it was kind of dull at times, I thought.
1: Yeah, it's not gonna scare you. Right. So neither's yeah. yeah, the next movie either, so whatever.
0: <laughs> that's 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 true as well. Now you you talk about how everybody was trying to like replicate things like um scream and stuff like this um same year I, this is trying to replicate from *Dust till dawn right like in some ways like it gets made because vampire movies like are a little hotter
1: now you think and buffy, and buffy the vampire Slayer. and
0: buffy right yeah sure sure yeah i think
1: just as much buffy as *Dust till dawn but yeah I, I think it, I, I think it wears both of those um influences on its sleeves and there, there's a couple other things too but we you can go ahead and yeah sure it.
0: So number four on your list is John Carpenter's Vampires. It stars James Woods, Daniel Baldwin, Cheryl Lee, and Thomas Ian Griffiths. It has a 42% from critics and a 47% from audiences. Um, you want to go ahead and tell us uh, about this Carpenter vampire movie? Is this the only Carpenter vampire movie too? Uh,
2: yes, okay. I guess so. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's like vampire elements in anything else, but definitely the only. I'm pretty sure the only Carpenter-like direct vampire movie. Gotcha. Okay. Unless there's some shit I haven't seen, like after this, because I'm not really that familiar with his like later bodies of work. But sure. Okay. <clears throat> so, starring James Wood, um, Woods. Uh, it follows a group of slayers. They're called like in a very um, bold. Uh, reference to again Buffy um, that are sanctioned as like black ops commandos by the Catholic Church to root out and destroy nests of vampires Um, they're mostly operating in the American Southwest um, which on the surface makes the least amount of sense because like that's the place where you feel like it's the sunniest so you know what good would that do for a vampire mm-hmm. to live down there? But apparently, this is where they are. Um, one day after busting a nest of vampires, um, Woods and his crew, uh, which include, um, uh, fuck, what is Baldwin's name? Montoya, Daniel Baldwin is, um, like Inigo Montoya or some shit, Tony Montoya, like, Tony Montoya, right? It's even worse, <laughs> right? Uh, um, who's j who's james woods jack crow right is his jack name crow yeah jack um while they're celebrating this victory um that jack crow is kind of reticent to celebrate because he senses the presence of a master and they didn't kill this master um they're raided by the master and his whole crew is basically wiped out um including a prostitute um uh, played by cheryl lee yeah Um, Katrina yeah that he was that Crow was going to sleep with um, gets erotically bitten in the inner thigh by this vampire um, and infected with vampirism so um, Crow, Montoya and Katrina like escape Um, turns out that this vampire is some kind of like was basically like the first vampire that was you find out later created by the Catholic Church through some sort of like fucked up exorcism exorcism, right or whatever
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so they find out that katrina because she was bitten by him now has a psychic connection to him so they can use him her to track this vampire and kill it um crow gets saddled with this uh neophyte priest who's never been around vampires um by a bishop or a cardinal or something whatever his connection with the, the vatican is <clears throat> um so Basically, the lead vampire is murdering people in the Southwest to try and get this cross that is a relic that was used in his exorcism that went wrong. And if he finishes the exorcism um, with the blood of a slayer or the blood of a crusader, right, that's what they call him, which is the Jack Crow um, character, then he can can finish this transformation and he'll be immune to sunlight and basically like a mortal so they got to stop him from that um which culminates in this big fight like in this abandoned town again in like new mexico or some somewhere um and they end up victorious and it turns out the cardinal was really on the vampire side the whole time because he wants to become immortal and um uh, montoya gets bitten by katrina but they're in love so then at the end it's like they get to go off into mexico and um, Crow and the priest are going to give him three days to get down there as like a head start just because they helped him kill this vampire um, so it's basically uh, Near Dark from Dust Till Dawn Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then elements of Hellblazer and Preacher like all rolled into yeah, one um, kind of mess of a movie um, yeah yeah really unlikable characters like jack crow is just kind of a miserable misogynistic piece of shit um yeah montoya is a sweaty like woman abuser that uses his physical power over a woman to make her think that that he loves her i guess kind of like it's a really uncomfortable relationship even though she's a vampire he's very you know like, super aggressive with her at certain points. And, like, oh, but baby, I love you. I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's really, yeah, it, it's
0: weird. It's like Daniel Baldwin this, like, I've never seen range from Daniel Baldwin to me. And it's like, as much as I liked him in Homicide, Life on the Street, like, in that role in those early seasons, like, he feels like the same dude in this. And he yeah, was, he's, he's always sweaty. And that has to be the alcohol and drugs right. and stuff. But,
1: Right. Slight slightly overweight, super sweaty. Looks like he's got like a three day drunk just like lingering yeah. around. Uh-huh. Looks like he smells like a distillery like every time you <laughs> it's see true. him. true. It's good. Yeah. Um yeah. It's filmed on I, I guess it was filmed on I don't know if this was filmed on film. Let me look. I don't know if they say. Um I I didn't see that anywhere on how they filmed it. I think it's a film. it's gotta be it definitely feels like there's a lot of post production because it's really clean looking mm-hmm. um, uh one of my biggest complaints about this movie um and look as like an action horror movie it's 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 okay <laughs> yeah like, it's far no worse than yeah. anything else, and there's definitely some stuff in it that's that's esque um yeah. Everything feels really small to me. It all feels like it's being filmed on sets. Like none yeah. of it feels like open and organic. It's just like here's this set piece on this really like small set. Like the scene where the vampires burst into the um monastery to seal the cross. Yeah. Um honestly feels like something out of like Ghost Riders or whatever. Um, just you know, hokey like Kung Fu. I mean, it really, it feels like an episode of Buffy, except it's in a, you know, major motion picture, like with these vampires, like throwing people around and right. I don't know.
0: I um, I thought the opening scene, like the opening scenes were the best, honestly, like I I, I thought the first like 15 minutes is pretty good with like the part, like the Slayers going to the party and hanging out and forever gross Some of it may be. Like and then the attack, like on that party, I thought that was the best part of the movie, honestly. Like and then it just kind of just, just, kind of just hung around (laughs) and did its thing.
1: Uh, But even to me, that's just okay. That part, and I, I get what you're saying, but it's like, like they go into that first house, right, where the nest of vampires is, Mm -hmm. and it, it's like two rooms. Oh, agreed. Yeah, and there's no, I I
0: get what you're saying. It doesn't feel like a lived-in world, like any of it.
1: I mean, I, I, and I like the idea that they use what amount to like medieval weapons, like they have pikes and, mm-hmm. you know, he has a crossbow and it's like, there's a certain sense that they're like these kind of modern day night or whatever, like guys on this, this mission to like rid the world of evil, but it doesn't ever feel like fully realized. Yeah. Um, I told you I was going to try and do the, um. Uh, um the soundtrack of the movie uh-huh um to mimic it but now i can't remember it's like like picture this: like it's 1997 and you're watching tv and a commercial for like paste picante sauce comes on <laughs> and it's some cowboy like walking to get his paste picante sauce and the music playing in the background is the music that plays constantly throughout this movie and it's so bad so bad like burn out, burn, burn burn out, and that's it. That's the whole movie. Is that all right? <laughs> it just I don't know.
0: Look, I, 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 since we're talking about it, I can get away for a second of, um, of, of just sharing this because it's it's worth
1: noting. Like, yeah, here you go. boom. boom. Boom, boom boom boom
0: die hard battery like maybe like i could feel like- yeah
1: it's like it's like this is my ram truck right i'm going to go ride the range in my ram truck there's actually
0: a song in different dust owl it's very similar to this um <clears throat> so the problem with this, though, is when I was looking it up the other night because you were complaining about the score, and I was like, Well, let me listen to this. I didn't even like notice it really, like as it was as the movie was happening. And then I started looking it up that's the main theme, like right there. Then I started looking up other songs from it, as like, and so many of the other songs are just like variations of that main right, theme. It's an
1: extrapolation of that theme, right? <laughs> and the reason I noticed it is because one of the things that Carpenter. There's a period of time from the late 70s through the late 80s, so say like 10 10 to 12 years maybe, where John Carpenter is one of the most important creative forces in genre film or whatever you want to call it, like B-films, B-movies maybe, horror, sci-fi. Sure action whatever i mean you look at you know halloween the thing um escape from new york fog um, yeah fog uh, big trouble like mm-hmm. uh prince of darkness yeah. like he's making they live, movies right yeah they live that are powerful and well done and great performances and in some ways like just iconic examples of like the genres that they're in and then there's this that's Well well then he does
0: then is his record here right around this time. So he does In the Mouth of Madness, right? Which we've talked about for this decade. Right. But then he does Village of the Damned, Escape from LA, Vampires, and then after this, Ghost of Mars.
1: <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like his Village of the Damned isn't terrible. Um but Escape from LA is not a good movie. And he, like if you read about it, like he hated making that movie, yeah. you can tell he hated it yeah. just because yeah. It just looks like no one's having any fun on that movie. Sure. But, like, this is not that good, and Ghost of Mars is a little better than this just because the setting is so alien or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, But everything feels like... Like, there's a realness to Michael Myers. You know what I mean? Like, right. there's, like, a tactile... Like visceral horror to the creature in the thing, you know, and it's just like this is here's some fucking pasty dude in like a bad duster. Oh, he's a vampire. Nah. Nah, right. Oh man, they, they they got scrunched up faces. I don't know. It yeah. just it, it feels so derivative of a bunch of other things. Um so yeah, so yeah. number yeah. four movie. <laughs> on the list
0: oh i think it's hilarious that after that description this is number four
1: <laughs> like, only because it's more engaging the whispering corridors. that's the I, only reason why it's number four
0: yeah i think i may be like as mindless entertainment like this a little bit more than you did but by, not by much like I, I i thought this was entertaining enough in a mindless misogynistic crass way um as i was Cheryl Lee is really around.
1: attractive in it still sure um, Late '90s, Cheryl Lee still um, very attractive. Yeah, it's like it, again, like so. When I saw this movie, um, everything that I just said to you, I thought when I saw this movie twenty some odd years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that I had forgotten it. So when I was looking at this list when I was making these lists, what I guess just about a year ago now, right? Or maybe mm-hmm. like yeah, nine or ten, nine or ten months ago, December of last list, year,
0: probably something. Yeah.
1: I saw this movie and I was like, you know what? I I bet that I will like it a lot more now. Like Mm -hmm. now that I have some distance from it and I could remember like stuff about it, but I was like, ah, you know, you're just, you're just remembering the stuff that annoyed you. Like you're, you're going to like, and I swear to God, I remember every scene from this movie, (sighs) like verbatim, like as it was happening, I was like, right. And then this is going to happen. And then it wouldn't have been like, motherfucker, just. (laughs) Well, you, um, I mean, you know,
0: that like uh, like in terms of this movie like it's like did you read about its history like in terms of like the script and all those all those things no i knew i knew
1: it was i knew it was based on a book called vampires with a dollar sign for the s Mm -hmm. um that i never read
0: yeah i remember
1: that from when it came out
0: right so this yeah it got bought up pretty quickly um uh and there. Some other dude was attached to this at some point. I can't remember his name, um, but uh, but it was him that was going director for a while, and Dolph Lundgren was attached for the lead, and Willem Dafoe was um, the valet character, apparently. And they changed the script so many fucking times. Like there was some kind of like version where it's like they were like in the vatican the whole time and the pope was like the the bad guy like and then there was like a futuristic one and, and uh, but so it went through like tons of rewrites and then um something happened where they couldn't come to an agreement and this guy went off and directed another like basically direct a video like Lungren movie um because he took longer and with him because i guess it's like He's taken his star. Um, and then Carpenter gets attached to it. And um and 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 he's the one that like he wanted somebody that was not muscle bound for the lead role, which I think is cool. Like, I mean that he wanted like somebody like a little bit more normal looking and rugged. And I know that like he thought about he tried to get like Eastwood and uh Bill Paxton, I think at one point, and Pacino, I think. Like, and it's like and um he ended up with uh Woods out of this uh but yeah and then there was some. i know there was some shit like that i read about like how he wanted he wanted baldwin at one point too alec baldwin sorry and like alec baldwin recommended daniel um and then daniel ended up getting cast as the best friend but uh yeah it's um it kind of has this like weird history to it so who knows i don't know if carpenter rewrote it i didn't read about that at all like i don't know if it's just like but um yeah so it's no wonder it's a fucking mess like i mean i'm sure they like took like a script that had been rewritten 10 times and then did his own thing on top of it it just became a hodgepodge
1: yeah so the guy that was originally going to direct it is um russell Mulcahy, um who's the director of highlander and highlander 2 oh okay and who also did razorback which is a movie that i like quite a bit um early 80s uh giant monster fucking boar you know it's funny i i
0: I never knew the guy that i never knew who directed highlander (laughs) I, i i never knew that
1: well it's russell mulcahy okay all right um i guess this vampire's novel is from 92 so actually it the novel itself might be um more influential but i don't know it
2: yeah uh Oh
0: God, anyway. Russell Make, he also directed The Shadow. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> no, you don't want to
0: impune the man's name. <laughs> right. So interesting, like just like piece, uh, podcast trivia is Mark Boone Jr. is in this movie as one of uh Woods' Slayer friends um, early on, and he's best known for playing uh, the big, like big-haired, big-bearded Bobby and um uh, Sons of Anarchy, and um, he's had three appearances on the podcast, and all three have happened this year. Um, because uh, he's in this. He was in Die Hard Two, and he was in Batman Begins. Batman
1: Begins, yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: so oh, right because all- he plays um, what's his name, the detective in uh, yep. Batman Begins? Fuck, I can't remember that guy's name.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so interesting, um, interesting, small piece of trivia, a guy who I like, you know, and the roles that he's done, but, um, that I've seen him in at least, but all right. So number three on your list is the last broadcast that is directed and star is directed by and stars Stefan Avalos and Lance Weiler. Uh, it also stars David Beard and Jim Seward and it has a 44% from critics on rotten tomatoes and a 39% from audiences which i think is way too low for this movie honestly yeah. despite my criticisms of it so you want to tell us a little bit about this movie and um why it's on the list here
1: um so you could argue that this is really the first um true like found footage art film although it's really told more in like a like mockumentary true crime style than like a traditional found footage horror film but um, made up of assembled footage of um, these people that have disappeared and have found to be murdered Um, it follows two hosts of a like a um, cable access um, internet radio show yeah um, called what is it called like lost and found or something like that um, um, is the name of their radio show. Uh, anyway. Yeah, these factor, two,
0: fa- factor Fiction.
1: Factor Fiction, right. Yeah. These two guys who do like a, like a cryptozoological like mysteries of the universe style um, talk show. Uh, they decide that because of flagging ratings, they're going to go into the Pine Barrens of New Jersey and look for the Jersey Devil. Um, so they get linked up with this guy who's um, a psychic. Like demonstrably a psychic, as you can see on film. Um, and the story is told from, I mean, seriously, it's like, I don't know, it's like watching like Discovery ID or whatever in the way that the the thing is filmed. But, um, you learn in the beginning of the movie that these filmmakers or uh, radio personalities, whatever, um, were murdered and that the psychic guy that they had enlisted to help them, um, had been found guilty of the murders. Um, through what you find over the course of the film was mostly circumstantial evidence. Um, but that he was the only person to come back alive from this expedition into the um, Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Um, there was trace evidence of DNA in terms of like splats of their blood on a shirt that he had. Um, so there's this uh, narrator, whatever host of the show that you're watching that's um, editing together interviews with like, police and people that knew these guys and footage that they filmed of themselves like preparing for this trip and um kind of just like talking to each other um so the first two thirds of the movie kind of deal with the um the events leading up the trip to the end the Barrens, um the arrest and conviction of seward who's the psychic guy um and then his mysterious death in jail um, and then it picks up where after he dies, um, the guy that's producing the documentary receives a mysterious package with basically a destroyed, um, I guess VHS tape in it, or there's mm-hmm. like destroyed footage, whatever, um, or it's just severely damaged where you can't see it. So he takes it to this um, woman who's what is she like a videographer or something? She's like basically an expert yeah. in like restoring like video footage, and she puts it together. Um, yeah. And then it reveals the true killer um, and leads into the end of the movie, um, which at the end of the movie switches from being told in this like documentary style to being told as a more traditional third-person fixed camera, um, I guess like standard narrative movie, yeah. where it shows you what the twist, the reveal is. Yeah. um and then leads into the end it's only like maybe 10 minutes of the movie
0: yeah 10 to 10, 12 minutes
1: 10, 10 to 12 yeah. It's done like that man i was just about to say 12 minutes mm-hmm. um and it's very jarring when you see it for the first time and really kind of like pulls you out of the um kind of the gritty reality that it's it's built up to that point mm-hmm. um so it did the
0: second time as well
1: <laughs> it did Watching it was this time, was the third time I've seen this movie, and probably the first time in. I think I watched it like five or five years ago, maybe it was streaming on Prime at some point in the recent, like quote unquote, recent past. And I watched it again because it'd been a really long time. And I this is not a movie I was aware of in '98 when it came out. Um, and I kind of wish I had been because I think it would have, um maybe put the Blair Witch in a different perspective for me in a lot of ways. Um so just for some I guess like historical context. Um around the time of Blair Witch Project and this movie um, being released. And again, not that I knew about this movie back then, I was a huge fan of Cannibal Holocaust. Um one of my favorite movies probably is like a late teenager ish was when I was really into that movie, early twenties. Um, so I was fascinated by Blair Witch Project in the sense that, like, here's this new movie that's using like the same or very similar storytelling technique, um, which I found fascinating because the idea that like almost in the same way that Texas Chainsaw opens with like this is like the real events of whatever this day in Texas, you know, last broadcast opens with this disclaimer that these people are real, this really happened, and because of the way that it's filmed, and it's all filmed on um camcorder and probably like what was it, Dat or whatever, like digital mm-hmm. video. Um, it feels very very true crime, um, very mid-90s documentary. And it it really does a good job of like they're not incredibly eloquent. There's no like flowery dialogue, like it all feels like real people talking, they feel like real human beings they make mistakes you know that's Mm -hmm. just um and the scenes where uh seward um has a psychic episode where like a date is like burned on his arm or whatever i mean those kind of things are very i don't know I, i i can't really describe what it felt like watching but it definitely feels like when you would watch like bootlegs from around that time that were all grainy and they had that sense of like realism to them just because of that so
2: yeah.
1: Um, I think it's a really fascinating story right up until the end. Yeah. And honestly, like if they would have filmed the ending a little different, I think it still could have been um I think it could have like really like driven home the twists of the movie. And I'm kinda hesitant to talk about the twists because I think that I think that it I think it plays its cards close enough to the best that when it gets you in the end. Like the first time you see it, it really is surprising what you're yeah, seeing. Yeah, that's sure. Um, and I think that it, it's worth like having that surprise for the first time. So if you've never seen it, um, I don't know if it's this is illegal, but we both watched it on Daily Motion. Um, did you watch the one that's like multiple parts? It's like yes, yeah, so I did. Or yeah, it's five
0: parts. I think yeah. So
1: it's like four four twenty minute parts, and then like a twelve minute coda, basically. Um, and it really does pretty much capture that jarring like whatever change in um camera style like almost entirely in that last part a little bit of part four um but it's a good transfer you know easy to watch and i think that if you've got whatever 90 minutes of your life that you don't mind like devoting i think it's worth seeing
0: Yeah, and and I think it's a really interesting artifact. Like, I mean, I I did a little research into, because we talked about it off air, this idea of found footage um, movies. So I started doing a little research into, like, the history of them, of, like, what people count as that. And in terms of horror, you were right the other night. I just forgot about it. Like, Cannibal Holocaust in 80 counts as the first one. And then there's Guinea Pig 2, um, I guess, has found footage features to it. Yeah. Um, I don't... And then there's the McPherson tape, um, which I think is still on Shutter oh. right now. Which is short. Is that, it's, is... it's only like 40 minutes long, but it's sci-fi horror. It's it's aliens. Um, but it's all found footage, all filmed on a camcorder, like during a birthday party, and aliens kind of like come into the house. Um, I watched it just this past year because I didn't know what it was, and it was short, so I, I watched it on Shutter. Um, Man bites dog, but I think that's a crime satire kind of like as opposed to a horror movie um also and,
1: filmed in like mockumentary style sort
0: sure of. right and then there's this so really like you know depending on what you what you consider horror or not like this is definitely like one of like the first like found footage horrors and i think that um i think it's really notable not only for those reasons that you mentioned, but it's like it's also notable for the time period that it covers and the and the way it portends right. a lot of things to come. Like, so this time period, like when they're filming this, like this is the early days of like internet broadcasting and video. Yep. And like they are like right on top of like this, like trend to be re- filming this movie. And then these characters are not only doing public asset, sac- access, but they also decide they're going to stream live on the internet as like a joint venture and seeing, and they actually, I'm pretty sure are showing footage at one point, if I remember correctly, having only watched this twice, but like they're actually showing footage at one point from a computer of them streaming kind of like you know their their show briefly yeah and these these are obviously guys that are up on a little bit on computers and the technology of that time i'm sure there are friends of ours that know the technology of that time a hell of a lot better than i do in terms of like how they're doing the streaming and stuff but i'm pretty sure these people know knew that stuff and knew what they were talking about like you don't see stuff about like video this much, like in a movie, like about like the reconstruction, which is all accurate and true, um, right. and then takes you through a real process. It portends what's to come, basically, which is every fucking horror YouTube channel that like exists now of people that go do investigations. Um, the, it's it's all the same shit, like you know, like. Um, so this is like early days of ghost hunting, basically, um, like this idea of going and doing investigations and hunts. You know, uh, there's a lot of shit going on here that's really, really fucking ahead of its time.
1: It, it there's really so towards the end when or towards I guess the middle midpoint mm-hmm. when they're talking about the trial itself, there's a couple of really interesting things that I thought um were actually like super true to life. So the first is that the jury was afraid to not consider this DNA evidence, even though it was more circumstantial than anything. Hmm. Um, Just because they didn't want to seem like they were out of the loop on like technology. Right. And the fact that nobody understands like IRC chat really. Right. Right. Um, Yep. Yep. And that like the chat logs don't make any sense to these detectives because they're just not familiar with, with how IRC works. And it's like, that stuff is super fascinating. I think that, sure. To your point, like as an artifact of the late late nineties, um, it's yeah. something that we were all pretty heavily involved in. I think just from like our like normal lives, really, with yeah. message boards and IRC and various like whatever like chat functions um, and watching streaming on the internet and whatnot. Like I think it's um, I I think it comes across as incredibly genuine yes. and one of the more like real. And we'll talk about this more because I mean, no, probably not much of a spoiler. But we're going to talk about Blair Witch at some sure. point. Um, Blair Witch still, at points when you watch it now, feels like a movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's things in it that's, I mean, it's obviously all filmed handheld and everything. Yeah, but you know, it's like somebody assembling whatever. I don't, know. I don't have to. Yeah. it's so it's like one of the traps of found footage is like. How are there all these perfect shots? Like how are you getting like all this footage to put together this perfect narrative? But this movie, because it's done in like an actual you know, like true crime again, like you watch um what's his name, Rob Gabigan or whatever that you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um that used to be Rob Van Dyke, is that right? That's Rob the, Dyke, uh,
0: Rob Dyke, yeah, until YouTube changed his fucking name because his last name is a slur. Like
1: Yeah um it's very similar to that you know you've got this um omniscient narrator who's telling you about these events and who's giving you like a breadcrumb and pulling it away and then going back and revealing more um it just builds so well to like what i think is honestly like a really surprising conclusion the first time you see this movie
0: i think it's a really surprising conclusion i also just think it's a really dumb one (laughs) that's my problem with it is i I don't believe like I don't believe like I don't buy it like that's my problem with it. is it the...
1: right? Well, to me, it's only dumb because if they would have maintained it so this movie probably needs to be fifteen minutes longer, Sure, it needs to be it needs to be continued to be narrated as if it's a documentary. And filmed in that style, but then changing who's doing the filming, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or where that archival, like, video footage is coming from? Like, I don't know. I really don't want to spoil it because I yeah, think Yeah, I understand. kind of need to see it. But I I, I think if you... We'll, we'll talk about it off air, but I think if you make this 15 minutes longer and you kind of change yeah, the way that the information is presented in the last part yeah. of the movie, I think this could be... I think it'd be remembered as maybe one of the best found footage yeah. movies. Of Look, all time. this movie, this is
0: like, like I, I've told you before, like, I think this movie is one of the most brilliant damn movies for the first, you know, hour and 20 minutes, like of a found footage thing I've ever seen. Um, a lot of it has to do with the realism, I think, of the time period. Um, but I also think the way that it's shot is like, is, is damn brilliant. I think the performances are are damn brilliant for like i mean and i think it's because they are just real people like you know they're they're just acting like themselves kind of it's like they're they're not doing method acting or anything like crazy like that it's like these are just real, real dudes that are like you know what if what if i was in this like situation what if i had to pretend to be this way like you've never heard of i don't think any of these dudes have ever done anything like substantial like in terms of acting and i think it's like this like weird confluence of events that like led them to just like kind of knock out these performances that like, you know, aren't bad, um, like whatsoever. They're pretty damn good for something so low budget um, um, as as something like this. But to really, the last thing I'll say is to your point about the IRC, you think about like the way the internet was portrayed. Like think of something like mainstream, like the net and how like fucking hokey it is and like how like kind of like unrealistic it is at times like and it's like yeah it's like like irc is being talked about here and it's like who the fuck is talking about irc in a movie right in
1: 1998 like they're not that's the other thing too is because they're interviewing like a guy that knew them through like sound production and Mm -hmm. another person that knew him like they got they interviewed they interviewed the guy that's his childhood psychiatrist or whatever right and he's obviously completely out of touch with, like, modern mm-hmm. technology, and he admits that. Yeah. And it's just so...
0: I think about the fear-mongering that goes on with a few people with the internet, too. That right. goes, you know, like, that's another extremely realistic aspect of this during this time period.
1: They're, it's fucking hilarious. They're using, like, Dr. Spazo to, like, <laughs> read the IRC right. chat. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That fucking would... Dr. Spazo Yeah.
0: No, I, I this this is something that like if you're a child that like you know like somebody that grew up in the '90s and stuff like that like um like a teenager in the '90s and you never seen this just as an artifact of like what these guys like put together um during this time period it's it's fascinating to me um especially if you knew the internet around that time but yeah um definitely like maybe one of my favorite horror movies like I've ever seen for an hour and 20 minutes (laughs) like honestly like i i love i actually love watching this again um until the (laughs) end it's such a shame to me but all right so going from this really low budget movie um to i guess the probably the highest budget movie on this list i would think um which is uh, number two on your list? Which is Robert Rodriguez's "Is the Factory"? Um, it stars.
2: Wait, 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 wait.
0: What? what? what what's Oh, no, what's sorry, it's "The Faculty." <laughs> um,
1: Oof. I was like, oh my god, I didn't watch this movie. Um, uh,
0: what would the fact What would the factory be about? If Robert, um, Rodriguez, if Robert Rodriguez directed it,
1: make like maracas that have grenades in them or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, it stars Jordana, huh? It would definitely have Salma Hayek in a low cut top, and
2: yes, it would,
1: um, Antonio Banderas in a duster.
0: <laughs> it stars Jordana Brewster, Cleo Duvall, Laura Harris, Josh Harnett, Salma Hayek, Fomke Jansen, Piper Lori, um, so many other people like Jon Stewart's has a role in it, and like there's like five other people that like play like oh, sure. back with. Uh, sure, yeah. People that play faculty members or students that you know of. Uh fucking Harry Knowles in a small cameo from Anacool News. David High um,
1: Pierce in a cameo.
0: Yeah, David High Pierce, right? Yeah. It's crazy like how many people are in this. It has a 55% from critics and a 55% from audiences. Um, so you want to tell us a little bit about this movie and uh why it's number two on the list? Uh
1: so this is uh like very I don't know, like hard on hard on hard on his sleeve homage to fifties um, and sixties harm uh, or sci fi horror mm-hmm. um, invasion of the body snatchers yeah. um, primarily, but also like children of the or whatever village of the damned and um, just a lot of other like the thing kind of to a point and um, night of the creeps to a point, um, so you can tell like Williamson is definitely like in love with this style of horror um it's basically an alien invasion at a high school in ohio um where a disparate group of youths um basically like the breakfast club so it's like the jock who doesn't want to just be seen as a jock and then the wastrel who's like smarter than he lets on and the innocent new girl and the like loner that is implied to be a lesbian and the preppy like head cheerleader and the nerdy guy that gets picked on. They all get thrown together to fight this alien menace. Um, it's a night of the creep style alien menace where it's little like zygote type things that get inside your body and then take you over. Um, and really like there's a lot of twists and who among the group of the, these main teenagers are infected and, who Can they trust and then, um, a pretty big set piece at the end where they fight the um, the alien queen and they end up, um, shit. it's Elijah Wood, right? Yeah, okay, Elijah Wood, yeah. <laughs> I forgot like three times watching this movie. Like, who, who thought you thought it was Tony McGuire? I couldn't remember. Like, I was watching, it's like, man, which, which one is this? Motherfucker? Um, and then in the end, everything's resolved and everyone's happy. Um watching this movie in 2021 um is really a odd experience just because and you said it like the cast of this movie is like almost impossible that this many people that went yeah. on to achieve some level of success or had already achieved a level of success sure. <clears throat> were assembled in one movie like um
0: so uh, other people that I didn't name in this are Christopher McDonald, which is a well-known character actor, BB um, Newworth, um, Robert Patrick um, playing the coach in it. Um, Daniel von Bargen is known in television world. I forgot to mention Elijah Wood with it's a smaller role. Uh, Summer Phoenix has done a couple things. Um, uh, Elijah
1: Wood's like the main character.
0: Yeah, I guess um, he's the hero. I guess Danny Masterson has a small role. Fuck him. Um, Lewis Black has a small cameo in it. Um,
1: I don't know. It's just there's a whole, whole, whole lot, lot of people. Um, it is very masturbatory in a lot of ways. So, like there's this really uncomfortable plot line with um and this is uh what's his name's first role um Hartnett who i guess is maybe maybe Josh Hartnett is like the true hero of this of the movie um as this like this guy who's repeating 12th grade that sells drugs openly to like the other students of the school and Basically, like sexually harasses his um, shrinking violet English teacher right. by offering her um, condoms and something else mm-hmm. um, out of the trunk of his car. Um, who, at the end, like after the day is saved, has joined the football team, and the teacher, who's now returned because she gets trans transformed into an alien is now on the sidelines, like, giddily watching him play football, but she's right. a fucking adult teacher in his school. Mm-hmm. Um, The bullying is played as, like, a joke, kind of. I, I don't know. There, it's a lot of really weird stuff in this that dates it, I think, very firmly as mm-hmm. being one of the last true, like, Kevin Williamson, I don't know. I don't know, like weird, almost like a pedophilic, like look at at, at teenagers. Mm-hmm. Williamson's a really weird dude when it comes to the way he writes, like teenage characters, and the way that he writes adult interactions with teenage characters. Um, because he doesn't really write them as teenagers, which I guess, like, in a way, is kind of a true reflection of how you are as a teenager, especially at like 17, 18 years old. But um, it just comes off as sort of creepy and. I don't know especially in like 20 some years later kind of like uncomfortable in ways um I think it's also really funny that when I first saw this movie um so this is one of the movies that I saw opening weekend when it came out in 98 um and I was impressed with the dialogue I thought it was like funny and you know like sharp and it is not that anymore, really. No. And like, when you look back at, I'm going to try and make an analogy for you. And I, I, I don't know if this analogy is going to work, but I've, I've been trying to find a way to put this into words for like months now, <laughs> as we've been going through like the movies of the nineties. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Poochie episode of the Simpsons where it's like this cartoon character that's basically an amalgamation of marketing, mm-hmm. like research yeah. of what people think is cool i always picture somebody like with gelled like spiked up hair wearing a pair of mirrored aviators and like a like a like button up hawaiian shirt with like some wacky t-shirt underneath doing like the walk like walk like an egyptian thing with like you know one hand up at a 90 degree angle and one hand down at a 90 degree mm-hmm. angle and back and, and like moving their head back and forth and like it feels like whenever like somebody was being cool in a TV show back in like that part of the 90s, that's the kind of shit they were doing. And it was like never cool, but it was like what everybody thought was cool. And I feel like that's what this movie is mm-hmm. is like the focus group equivalent of what teenagers are like and what they think and how they act. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah.
0: I appreciated you mimicking the um that that Egyptian thing like, like while, while while you were describing.
1: Yeah, you know, because I got I got to I got to get it in my head. <laughs> um, now on the other side of that, I think there's some really good action set pieces in this movie. I think the visual effects are really well done. Um, I really like the body horror, like alien invasion style movies. Um, you know, as we talked about in Body Snatchers and Night of the Creeps, because we've talked about all those movies, um, and the thing and whatnot. Like some of my favorite, like sci-fi horror. This is the theme of them, and I think it's really well done here with like kind of the um, Khan style, like bug in the ear type thing, mm-hmm. um, which is really a horrifying idea to me. Um, and I like the ending. Like I like the giant um queen alien monster that's like chasing them through the <clears throat> through the school and like they get they're slowly getting infected one by one until there's just a couple of them left that are there to um you know like fight the menace and they finally end up beating it. Like it's just there, there's a lot of really good stuff in this movie. But she gotta put up with a lot of really dated shit in order to get to that stuff. So um I don't know that it's necessarily a film that holds up really well today, but I think it still is entertaining. I think it's really funny to watch people like John Stewart um, before he got super famous for being John Stewart, right? <clears throat> in his the role as like a smarmy English teacher, or um, you know, people like like Sean Haddesy, or um, you know, Babe Newirth, like in a minor role, Christopher McDonald in a minor role, like all these people that. Sama Hayek in a really minor role, mm-hmm. and people that would go on to be much. The, this movie, the parts are much greater than the sum, I think, that you get out of it. But um, I like Clea DuVall a lot, so yeah, always mm-hmm. happy to see Clea DuVall in a movie. Um, yeah, I don't know.
0: Just so you know, one movie that we haven't talked about, um, and I don't know how you feel about it, is Invaders from Mars from '86. I don't know why we haven't talked about that movie, but I guess you don't like yeah, it. Yeah,
1: what? No, I do like it. I, I don't. Okay. I actually have. I now, granted, I've not seen that movie in probably, probably since like nineteen ninety two, ninety three, something like that. I loved Invaders from Mars when I was a kid. I did too. One of yep. one of my favorite childhood like uh-huh. sci-fi horror, whatever space invasion oh, okay. movie. All right.
2: Um, we will talk I about. Just, we'll I, I just, I just don't know what something. list it
1: fits on. All
2: right.
0: Uh, we'll we'll figure out a way to do it someday. Then, um, I thought you just didn't like it, but um, no, no, I really like
1: it. But I, I, so again, back to the fucking faculty or the factory, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the faculty factory. <laughs> Actually, the factory is like a football movie from the early nineties, right? Isn't is that, it? Isn't that true? Maybe. Um, anyway, so this movie, um, I think that it's interesting that Kevin Williamson was as popular as he was at this point, because I think that he definitely dates himself here and reveals, like, the weakness in his writing. Um, which is that I don't really think he understands how to make teenagers talk like teenagers.
0: I mean, I think that's true. I mean, nobody on Dawson's Creek knew how to talk like a teenager. I mean, like, I I think he a am It's like it's so like he imagined what a teenager is like. I don't know how old he is when he's writing this, but it's like he imagines what a teenager talks like or stylizes what he wished he would have talked like or people he knew would have talked like when he was slightly younger and did that. So I he mean, was
1: he would have been 30, 32 or 33 probably. When okay, he was sure.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and only like probably 30 when he wrote screened. Right. Um which is interesting because I wonder what the difference is there because I I like Scream's script and I like the dialogue in it. Yeah. But it also doesn't necessarily feel real, but I think that you can excuse it because Scream is a much more meta examination of horror. Right. Whereas this is very straightforward in terms of being horror. I mean, it's almost like a parody of like Friday Night Lights. And I don't know. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's a really weird movie. Um, when is Friday Night Lights the movie? Is that like
0: 2000,
1: I think. Yeah. So, not, e- I mean, it's just, just a weird parody or not even parody, yeah. just a weird, like, I don't know. I don't it even just... think
0: this might be the same year as Far is. maybe.
1: This definitely has not aged. Um, Aged well in terms of the dialogue and the script in general, but it's still an entertaining. Movie and yeah, I, it's, I had fun it's watching. Interesting. It
0: you you must have liked it a lot more when it came out than I did, I guess. Um, because I I watched it on video within a year, year and a half of it coming out, and was like, yeah, okay, like that was that was, that was okay. And I think
1: I. Oh, go ahead.
0: And then I watched it this time, and I was like, oh yeah, that was fun. <laughs>
1: Um, I think I w- I think I was more. I I think there was some idolatry towards Rodriguez and Williamson
2: mm.
1: because of Scream and you know obviously sure. like all the shit that Rodriguez had done at this point. Right. And you can't see Josh Hartnett now and not know who Josh Hartnett is. You know what I mean? Sure. But sure. I didn't know who Josh Hartnett and Cleo Duval and like all these people were. Usher, you know, I mean I knew who Usher was, but yeah it was like oh that's cool that they got you know ushered act in this movie or you know oh, hey there's bb newworth like in a bit part in this like you know right black comedy like teen horror movie and all that stuff seemed really cool at the time and now it's just like me right it's just kind of weird
0: usher um I'm pretty sure by this point usher had done a um a guest role uh on the bow and the beautiful um off and on for about six months he um potentially impregnated uh one of the harlots on the bold and beautiful and of course any washer from uh, music but yeah i think that was his first acting role probably <clears throat> and that he did this i thought this was fun i mean like i i thought it was fun i didn't expect it to be anymore with like the teenagers and stuff like that i get exactly what you're saying but um uh i just expect that from williamson i guess like most of the time i still think screams like his best writing but i think i think you nailed it it's like because it's like meta <laughs> like that's that's why it like is okay to some degree in Scream. screen um yeah. when you're trying to portray him realistically
1: i just didn't think that anybody came off as like i like i remember that i'm going to use a term that i never would have used back then but i remember thinking this dialogue was really like whip smart at this mm-hmm. at the time when i saw this movie like oh yeah like there's some really like whatever like sharp dialogue here and like watching now it's like no man you were just an idiot in 1998 right. like that's this dialogue is not that good so right well but yeah you're... like look it was it was a fun movie like i barring like anything i think this movie always makes this list. Yeah. sure
0: yeah well i mean you're 20 you're 22 years older right like you know and um you Jesus know Christ. 50 50 years mentally older to use a term like whip smart so um uh yeah like i mean it makes sense <clears throat> mm. can i can i can i do something
1: i'm with? gonna take that as a compliment
0: it is yeah we're all so much mentally older than what we are like physically older um, i'm dead <laughs> i, I want to do something for a second here um Cause so so every time i ever am doing research on these movies and the reviews and stuff i always force myself to read owen gleberman reviews um always so like because i fucking hate myself probably um but this one is is pure pure owen gleberman and i think exemplifies why owen gleberman is just the fucking worst
1: is, um, is Lieberman writing for Entertainment Weekly still at this? Oh point? yeah,
0: he is. Yeah, he, he writes until for Entertainment Weekly until like I think like eight nine years ago maybe. Um, Give it a and, C
1: minus. That's my guess. But then go ahead. Oh, read. I
0: didn't. I didn't even actually like care. Um, <laughs> like I uh, yeah, it was something like that. Like it was like yeah, something along those lines. It was in the C. I remember it was in the C range. <laughs> might just miss C. But he says if the faculty were half as witty as Scream, it might have used the notion of the cliches. Click his high school vanguard members becoming pods of themselves as a vehicle to satirize the super subtle role of playing of these mall rat babies. In a strange way, though, the Williamson of Dawson's Creek is now at odds with the Williamson, the sophisticated trash joker. He's become too protective of his characters too invested in the earnestness of teen angst to portray it in the scathing paradigms terms of hip horror movie demands. God, I hate this dude. He doesn't help that the faculty was was directed by Robert Rodriguez, a specialist in literal-minded slapstick dementia. Rodriguez stages Williamson's thriller soap opera shenanigans as though he were scurrying through a maze he couldn't wait to reach the end of. And by the second half, you see why. The faculty erupts into an exuberantly random FX blowout, a vision of young actors sporting wormy tentacles the size of elephant trunks. Some of this is some of this is fun in a low grade Hellraiser sort of way, but it reduces the script's mildest ambitions to hamburger. In the faculty, it's Kevin Williams' talent that turns itself turns into a pod of itself.
1: That's terrible review. <laughs> yes, yes. It, so the the movie that in my head I was calling the factory is actually the program. That's what I was thinking of. The program
0: with James Caan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a gold and maroon uniforms, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. I don't remember. I never saw that movie. I just remember the trailer and the poster for it. But I think that's—I think I'm right. Gold and maroon. I think were the colors of that team. Am I right? Fucking Owen Gleiberman. He—he's definitely my most hated reviewer of all time. He's a piece of shit.
1: He is a really I don't like um AO Schwartz at all either, honestly. Mm, yeah. He's he's a fucking turd too. He he is. But he used to write good T V reviews sometimes, so mm. yeah. Dustin
0: De- Howe through this podcast has really like grown to annoy me, not because of his writing, but because of just his opinions. It's it feels like he hates on fucking everything. Uh he writes for the Washington wrote for the Washington Post back in the nineties, um, early two thousands, but he really gets on my nerves too all right so number one on your list is um one of the most famous horror movies i guess of all time uh ringu uh in america called the ring it is directed by hideo nagata nakata um the star is nanako (laughs) Masuji. (laughs) <laughs> I shouldn't have drank this much. Uh, that last drink was really strong. I'm not even finished
1: it yet. Nanako, ma, ma, oh, Matsush- okay. Nanako Matsushima. Matsushima. Miki, Miki Nakatani. Nakatani.
0: And then... Yuko her, 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 Takaguchi. Oh, I didn't even have that one. Uh, Ito Sato. Saito? Yeah. No. Hiroyuki Hiro, 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 Hiro Sanabo. Um, yeah, you
1: got it. Good job saying I just got tripped up
0: on Matsushima. Like,
1: Matsushima.
0: Shima, yes. Not Shima. 97% think, from critics, 81% from audiences. Um, what, what was I thinking of?
1: You were thinking of Yoshimi versus the fucking killer robots. <laughs> yeah, Major
0: versus, yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, uh, that's right. That
1: Flaming Lips album. Uh huh. Good album. It's a good album. She got a black belt in karate. <laughs> she t- <laughs>
0: yes, that's that's correct. Good job. Um. So yeah. So um, I mean, I guess you can give a synopsis of this movie. I don't know who hasn't seen like some variation of this movie.
1: Right. Like, but... and there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um. So an interesting fact about this, the story. Um. There's three movies that come out within a short period of time that are based on spiral which is the book that was written that inspired and the manga and then you know these films um following you know the ghostly exploits of sadako um who's a psychic ghost that is able to project her curse into videotape and then spread that curse um as a virus um ringu Uh, what we're talking about takes a much more supernatural look at the idea of the the ring curse whereas spiral and ring virus um are more almost like sci-fi horror movies in terms of the idea of it's like a virus that propagates inside uh, like its victims um and continues the curse and like that's how it lives is by spreading through visual whatever um and then obviously famously remade in. Oh, yeah,
0: three, I believe that's correct. Yes, yeah. Um,
1: as the I'll ring, uh, starring Naomi Watts, um, directed by the fucking Pirates of the Caribbean dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 92.
2: You're right, 92.
1: Yeah, basically taking, um. The Japanese like yokai um ghost myth um the idea of like the urban legend as being a modern way for people to kind of explain and um placate these evil spirits that have always existed um pretty fascinating look at like that whole like folklore um urban legend myth um the Japanese version is much more subtle um, than the American version, which goes for uh, jump scares a lot more than the Japanese version, which is just about like a creeping dread and like building this idea of um, <clears throat> this woman accidentally exposing uh, her ex ex-husband and her child to this curse. And then um, wrongheadedly thinking that, <clears throat> which is really funny that, it's like hey like if i do the right thing then i can make this go away and in reality they just make it so much worse (laughs) and like release this ghost from its like prison of being stuck in this well um so that she can come out and end up like killing um the ex-husband um yeah to your point like i think most people have probably seen the ring um the difference here again is it's much more deeply embedded in the idea of folklore and regional, um, regional mythology in Japan, how there's myths in different parts of Japan that exist that don't exist elsewhere. And, um, the idea that in this case, like that mythology is real. Um, whereas in the American version, again, it's much more like painted with broad strokes that it's, um, more of a traditional ghost story i think whereas this is more of a i don't know i I hate to use the term folklore but that's kind of it like it's like a much more subtle approach to a ghost story than the american version which is very much in your face and look i i think the american version is very well done um i don't think that if you do a direct remake in america that it's as successful as it is and i think that the ring um, why can I not remember that fucking director's name Gore Verbinski Gore Verbinski you know what I was thinking that. Jan Van It was the only <laughs> thing I was <laughs> in my head
0: I I want to watch um, Jan Van uh Direct both Tobey Maguire And Elijah Wood um, In a Buddy Cop drama <laughs>
1: That that dude's all about putting like Norse mythology in his movies and symbolism, like they'd both be Vikings, buddy cop Vikings. Um, here's yeah, here okay.
0: I watched the the, the American Ring because that, that that's what I pulled up to talk about with the criticism. So since you're already talking about, it, I might as well kind of bring it up. the 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 thing with audiences with this movie that I found, um, and look, the score is not. Drastically different, like ninety-seven with critics compared to eighty-one with audiences. The thing that I found most with the audiences that gave us slightly lower scores was that they thought the American version was better, right? Uh,
1: And and understandable, like, and I, I get that, and I think that from an American perspective, like what we're conditioned to find to be scary, like that's true, right? It's much more difficult, I think, for an American audience.
0: They thought it was like laughable. A lot of them, like the, the the stuff in this movie and Ringu, like
1: like also they probably saw the ring before they whatever. Sure, almost
0: ring. all of them that I saw kind of did. Like yeah,
1: and there so there's certain things like um, Ryu, the guy that's the um, the ex husband character. Mm-hmm. Um, you see him early on, and he's wearing like a sheet over his face, and he's pointing um, because it's his spirit basically like reaching out through time to contact her to help her like understand what she has to do to save their son basically and it's really powerful in the japanese version as long as you have the right mindset to watch that and understand like you know that it's being filmed in 1998 and it's not like a big budget hollywood movie and right and the idea of the guy having his face covered like there's symbolism there you know like he can't see in the present but in the future like he can anyway his spirit can project itself to like help her but he has to be masked so she can't warn him because he has to die there's like all kinds of like symbolism to mm-hmm. but it's also kind of goofy like if you if you're not willing to suspend your disbelief and just watch the movie as its own thing like i can see like why people would say Hi, like that's silly sure it's not scary like the ring but the ring is so like the reason i think i was thinking it was like whatever i said van 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 hammer or whatever um and because he's like he's beating you with imagery you know what i mean like right there's no subtlety to gore verminsky he's just like pummeling you in the face with scares and um jesus you fucking nakata is telling you like a much more subtle story about um like the idea is the rage of this girl who was exploited and whose mother killed herself because they had this latent power that they were like feared for and then they were Abused and mistreated by this like sleazy scientist guy who ended up like basically causing both of them to die. I mean, like, that's where this rage comes from that is has been built up and you know has been projected out. It's like in the grudge, like Juan or whatever, the first grudge movies, they're kind of goofy if you watch them like in the bright light of day. And you know, I mean, like the kid meowing like a cat and the woman like walking downstairs or whatever. But in the context of like watching it alone in the dark and, you know, like letting yourself just be open to suspending your disbelief, like they're, they're pretty scary movies. And Ringo is the same way in that. Like, okay, it is kind of goofy, you know, but I still think that. Visually, like this movie sets the tone for. American, Japanese, Asian, whatever horror for decades. Mm -hmm. (laughs) in sadako with like her hair over her face sure and jerkily like climbing out of the well and then like jumpily moving like through the tv and all that shit like that imagery is just um i mean it's super fucking powerful and it's, it's so influential in terms of especially like the young girl like hair over the face thing i mean that's been imitated like countless times and still to this day you know you think about shit like terrible movies like fucking gothica and stuff like that's directly like taking imagery from these japanese movies and again like that comes from the japanese tradition of you know like the yokai mythology that was regional where they would have like like the girl with her face covered or whatever that you weren't supposed to talk to when they're all you know like localized cautionary myths um almost like a morality play type thing like oh you don't want to like anger the spirits so you better be a good person or else they're going to come and you know but in this case they'll fucking kill you by like gazing at you with their evil eye which is what sadaku does instead of just like taking your teeth or some shit um but yeah like i i think ringu is a fascinating movie this is one of the first J horror movies i ever saw and i probably saw this in uh, it was right after frankie was born so i would say like oh one maybe when i saw this movie um and again this was something where you couldn't just like whatever like go and rent it like it was right hard fucking work like getting these goddamn buying well, these videos for people
0: you're right so this is another one that you bought right hmm
1: so is, I is think, this
0: one the ones you had me watch? Because I know that the Gr- Ju-on was something that I you and I you brought over to Shocks and we watched, but I don't remember if this was or not.
1: I'm not sure. So my, my first batch of movies was Ringu, Um, Juan One and Two, Uh Whispering Corridors, Uh Dark Water, mm-hmm. Um Ichi the Killer, and
0: Definitely watch that one.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, and you you love that opening scene. Well um I'm sure we'll watch it again someday. Mm-hmm. I'm you know what? Every time a list comes up where it's possible, I think about it and then I hold off because I want to make it special for you. Can we can we just do why don't we just
0: do next year the top five Mike movies and get it over with? As okay. long as, as long as happiness categories is on there, I'm fine. Yeah.
1: But we can't talk about audition again for like the fourth time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. So spoilers, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um Go ahead. I'm sorry, but yeah, so I I got like ten ten movies on VHS that were recorded from, and sometimes like Japanese television. So it was like a recording of a recording.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so they definitely had like that grainy, like almost forbidden look to them, um which was the best part about juan Like, it was probably a decade until I saw a really good. Well, no, not a decade. Like half a decade until I saw a really good DVD transfer of juan and i was like oh my god this movie is so much less scary when you can actually see what's fucking going on right um because that scene in the first juan where the security guard is like looking at the hall Mm -hmm. and like the woman ghost appears is just like a black spot and then disappears and then reappears and Mm -hmm. then disappears and is all of a sudden like right up in the camera um and the eyes just like open up is so much more terrifying on Migrainy ass VHS, that right? I didn't see it like in crystal clear, you know, sure. quality.
0: Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I I would say, out of every all of these movies, though, in the 90s so far, it's like we have one to talk about next month. You've already said it, Blair Witch, and then there's Scream, and then there's this, right? Like, the, the, these, those are the three movies of this decade, wouldn't you say, are like the things that, like, basically push everything forward.
1: And I think that, honestly, for long-lasting effect, I think it's this, is yeah. the movie that has, like, like, you you look at shit like Hereditary and Babadook and It Follows and, I don't know, like, so many movies that are, like, indie darling, like, horror favorites, like, throughout the two right. And I think they pull so much more from Ringu than do anything from, I mean, I think Scream... You can't under, undersell the importance of *Scream* because it basically revitalized horror as a profitable genre, right? Uh, from States. a commercial
0: aspect, right? Sure.
1: And and you know, it's it's hard to undersell how much *Blair Witch* did. I mean, it created it basically created an entire genre of of horror movies, and really had long lasting like reverberations throughout horror, just in what people would do in terms of marketing and using the internet and whatever but there's a stupid fucking um what's the word apocryphal quote um of about the velvet underground you know this this story not apocryphal what's 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 a quote that can never really be attributed and might not actually be real
0: no spot like that. I think I think you're actually correct though.
1: Um, anyway, so it's one of those kind of quotes where people say that, like, only whatever 500 people own *Development Underground* album, but all those people went on to, you know, cr- like form bands of their own. I think it's sort of the same thing with *Ringu*. It's like in right. its nascent period, like right. only a small number of people watched this movie, but the people that saw it, you know. Were inspired to make like this new generation of horror, right? And honestly, like Gore Verbinski, he rips it off really well, and he does a really good job of Americanizing it. And
0: yeah, he just made it fucking blue. Right.
1: Well, yeah. there, and there's a lot of people that are purists, um, that really shit on that movie as being like, I mean, really, what it is? It's 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 a difference between, I don't know, like. A really creepy book on like a rainy afternoon and the fucking haunted hayride yes on halloween you know what i that's mean good, that's, that's like, good yeah like both of those things have value to them right and both of those things can be scary sure they're just completely different things and they're four completely different people sometimes or yeah. the same person in a different right. place in life. and i think that there's value to both and i honestly i think it's important I wish that most of them were better, but like darkwater, another one of my favorite like early j horror movies.
0: do you think real quick, do you think out of his movies do you think Ringu or Darkwater's better?
1: Darkwater is the better movie, okay, yeah. Darkwater is an amazing fucking yeah. movie, yeah. but very well translated to an American setting and audience in the Jennifer Connolly version I, th- I, I think
0: I think better that movie's better as a translation than the ring is even though i don't dislike the ring american remake no, it, it's just that you, you said it's completely it's just different but i actually like dark water as kind right. of like an adaptation to american stuff yeah
1: one is is still a nuanced look at like yeah loss and motherhood and whatever like mm-hmm. dark water is telling right um yeah it's it's it, it, it's an amazing movie like really the Japanese version is really mm-hmm. fucking good, but the American version is good too. Yeah. But I mean, like the American grudge movies are awful. Yes. But it's still, those movies existing still allow you to stream Juan on Amazon prime. You know what it's I mean? It's true. So yeah. like, there's value in that. Sure, What people look at as crash commercial, crash commercialism actually still has value because it allows you to like it allows me to explore like all these other films sure. that I might not otherwise be able to see because people see that they can generate money. So,
0: yeah, no, it's absolutely true. I mean, to the point where it's like you still have Netflix, you know, buying, you know, like these like sure. foreign horror movies and like putting them up. And I, yeah, I mean, it's like there's, yeah, there's money always, to be made.
1: I'm mean, always willing to take that chance, which I'll, I will always appreciate.
0: Sure, yeah. even if they're not very good. I
1: mean, um, but if if you've never seen Ringu, um, I think it's worth your time to watch, even if all you've seen is the ring. Um, but you, just,
2: actually, do you like
0: Ringu or Ringu 2 better?
1: I hate Ringu 2. Really? So, uh, I mean, hate is a strong.
0: I think I there's think, actually some eerier things that happen at times in Ringu 2, even if it's not a better movie.
1: Maybe I just like the story of Ringu a lot more.
0: Yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah,
1: and the Ring Two is one of the worst fucking things ever put to film. So, <laughs> right. Um, it's right. it's hard to get past that, but sure. But yeah, definitely worth watching, and it's fucking free to stream all all over the place. So. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's actually <sighs> let me let me say this, um, just to give like a little pitch where we're not going to get any money back for it. Um, there's a streaming service called Arrow. A R R O W. Um, that is all like weird, like marginalized, like genre films. Yeah, they have amazing transfers of like Ringu, and they do all the whole series like Spiral and
2: hmm.
1: Ring Zero, and like all the stuff. Um, the funniest thing—I don't know if you've ever watched this—and if you've never watched it, don't fucking watch it because it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a movie that came out about five or six years ago called Sadako versus. Yeah, I, I,
0: yeah, I, yeah. Karako I, yeah, I've, I've or whatever. But yeah,
1: uh-huh. Um, which is it. the the Ring ghost versus the Grudge ghost, and it's uh, it's bad. But if you have a few hours free, the Grudge television series that's on Netflix. Is yeah, that was great. good.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Uh, yeah, definitely I forgot about that already. It, yeah. yeah
1: so do you have to pay for this right
0: is this a pay for one arrow yeah
1: yeah but it's one of those things it's like four dollars a month or something oh know. okay because they mean,
0: i mean i'm just looking at like the their 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 uh images look better than most things like yeah. you know just like the the images of like the covers and shit
1: like it's 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 a cultivated it's one of those cultivated websites yeah. so it's like Oh, of course Pers- it's
0: your shit. They got a Pete Walker collection. God, oh, yeah, this is they so do. right up your
1: alley. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's the best channel. <laughs> um, but they have like a seventies, eighties, nineties. Like they do really good genre films. Yeah. They, they also, won- won this um, call. yeah, yeah. They also produce their own movies, so every once in a while you get like an original thing, and those hmm. those are okay. So look, I really gotta piss, so we gotta wrap this up. Like I can't. I don't know. No, what? Oh, what? You, I, gotta, you I gotta pee so bad. Uh, what was that? I gotta pee, man. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, yeah. Um, there there's not much more to say anyway. So, um, yeah, wrap it up. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, um, yeah. I'm. A, I mean, really, one really good movie.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna let you do the cell while I go to the bathroom. I'm seriously gonna pee in my pants. But thank okay. you for listening. Yeah. And you can do like what we're doing over the next few weeks and blah blah blah. And two guys, five movies. That's two guys, five movies. You know, you know what you're
2: doing. Do I? Okay. <laughs> All
0: right. All right. Come on, give your, give, right. your give your signature
1: line. Come on. What is it? Deuces. I there you know. go. Go piss. All right.
0: That's squeaking with him getting off the couch
2: to, to go urinate.
0: Um, so yeah. So. I already did this pitch at the beginning of the episode, if you're still listening to this. So um, I guess I can say that in November um, we will have um, our very special episode uh, with uh Uh, our friend Jason Heaster who for the first time ever will have somebody else uh, compiling a top five list for us the top five motorsports movies Um, and we will be talking to him about his top five motorsports movies Um, I don't think Frank could make that list ever Uh, I know I couldn't Um, and then um, we will be doing a fresh five with Frank he's currently like kind of like down that list and then we will be covering the top five movies of the years of 1971 1981 1991 and 2001 to wrap up the year and we are currently figuring out next year's schedule um so that's everything for the podcast tonight um kind of thought it was like somewhat of a weak year um and uh but Ringu's is good um last broadcast definitely recommend it uh even if it has a week ending great movie especially if you're a child of the 90s so thanks for listening everybody have a good night and we will be back next week with the top five horror anthologies of all time